One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello again, Blues, and welcome to the Toffee Web Podcast. The Premier League is back this weekend following the second international break of the season, and it's Derby Week. Uh, Everton will make the short hop across Downey Park for the early kickoff. Hoping to beat Liverpool on their own patch for only the second time since the turn of the century. Uh, Paul and Andy are here with me to look ahead to the game. Uh, I don't know about you fellas, I'm still shit-faced from Sean Dyche's press conference and the uh, Everton drinking game. Uh, I lost track of the uh, number of times he said feel after about the fifth shot. Uh, I think there was an on-the-grass reference in there as well, so uh, plenty of his greatest hits were reeled out. Um, I kid, obviously, but I think uh, many of us would agree that being out of your tree might be the best way to uh, go into the Anfield derby. Uh, speaking just for me, I mean, I used to really, really dread this game. Like, it would really, really weigh on the week, but I'll be honest, I've barely thought about it up till now. I think part of that's due to the uh, international break, uh, but I think in general, the derby's, I don't know, maybe lost its power to depress me. Uh, if anything, I just go into it with the attitude that anything we get out of it is a bonus these days. I think the closer we get to kick off, I'm sure the dread will kick in a little. But, I mean, for me, at least, it's not what it used to be. Uh, Paul, what's the feeling among Blues who live locally? Because, you know, you always have the uh, the problem of having to live and work among Liverpool fans. So maybe uh, uh, you don't have the luxury of just shrugging it off. Oh, I've been, been working from home all week. I've been hiding away. <laughs> so I, don't, I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be able to. I've been, I've been avoiding it as much as possible. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah... Back in the day, you really used to look forward to the derbies, didn't you? Because, you know, I mean, they're going back a while now, but we used to be very competitive in them, um, especially at home. Um, so, yeah, on derby, it was, it was such a, like a frenzy, wasn't it? A bit of a fever about the city. And, um, yeah, just kind of, you're going into it now and you just kind of, you know, I don't know, a lot of, bit of excitement's burning away. Um, 
parting perhaps I'm, I'm going to it on Saturday so there is there is that I suppose which might be a bit more telling maybe and I've got a bit of a day planned or at least a morning planned um, because it's obviously an early kickoff um so there is all that, but yeah, I don't know. I haven't really spoken to too many, too many blues or reds around to be honest. Here, it's probably over like the next twenty-four hours or so. People start to, you know, um, talk about it a bit more. But um, yeah, it's just that, just that nagging, always that nagging feeling now going to Anfield, isn't it? There's just, it's so seldom we get much or anything really from, you know, we, we don't really come back with, you know, barely a point, let alone three. You know, uh, too often, I guess you look at it, records are there to be broken. It's, you know, it, it, you got to look at it that way and think, well, we got to, you know, we got to take something again soon. So it's just not that long since we won there. Um, so we've got to, you know, take all the positives we can. But, um, yeah, you don't kind of look forward to it as much as you probably should in the Merseyside derby. And that's um, that's a shame, really. Um Again, used to, used to be the case. It didn't really matter if we were sort of the 16th, 17th worst team in the league and they were the second or third best or whatnot. Come the derby, we'd be, you know, we'd, we'd kind of be equals and we'd show that on the pitch. Games changed a bit since the, the blood and guts of a derby. You don't really see that anymore, do you? And you know, you see derbies with tackles flying in. There's nearly always a little, a little melee when, you know, Pickford will get involved with pushing Andy Robinson or something like that. But it's always, it's always a bit yeah. nothing, isn't it? You know, I mean, it doesn't really, it's, it's always much of a muchness, you know. So, um, yeah, but uh, when I'm there, or when, you know, when, when the crowd are buzzing at, you know, at 12.30 and uh, you're behind the team and, you know, you just, uh, you forget all that and, and you're there and, and you hope and then you, you hopefully believe and then there's, you know, something to cling on to maybe in the game and you just, you just never know the, at the end of it. So uh, let's, uh, let's be positive and let's, uh, let's see what we can do. I'm glad you've mentioned it in those terms, Lyndon, because until you've actually said that as a sentence, I've, I've not really realised how much it's different now. And I, I whilst Paul was talking there, I, I remember being at school and, and believe me, that was a long time ago, but we're talking we're talking kind of 20 25 years ago and i remember playing on the school field at lunchtime and and the, the week leading up to the derby you would just imagine you're playing in it you you would everything would revolve around that game i know i'm older now so i mean i know it, obviously i'm not going to go and start kicking it around the, the local park but i mean it it feels different now it feels different because of the utter trauma we've had especially in this fixture at Anfield that you do you just kind of try and we don't even try you you write it off this is the sad thing you know as a result as a as a as even a possible result you kind of write it off maybe to stop yourself getting hurt you know um and 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 I I like you I haven't thought about it loads this week I haven't really been kind of counting down the days to the derby like you like you would have back in the day, I suppose. Um, as it happens, I actually do think, unlike other trips to Anfield in recent years, I actually think this weekend gives us a relatively relative, and it's all relative, a relatively good chance of getting <laughs> yeah. something because. We feel oh, sorry. That's another shot, Lyndon. We uh, we um, we, we... <laughs> <laughs> don't say noise. Don't say noise. Um, <laughs> it looks like Everton have um, a relatively settled uh, team, a relatively settled plan. We've won three of the last four games. 
The anomaly to that was a bit of a weird one against Luton. But if he's got everybody fit that we think he's got fit, you look at their team, they haven't got Robertson. You know, they, they've got us, you know, their towering centre-half for years, I don't think is necessarily the player he was. I'm told by a Liverpool fan in the week that they've got, getting in the excuses early, that they've got players coming back from South America who've been on international breaks, blah, blah, blah. And I just thought, oh, do you know what? Is it beyond the realms we go there and get a point Saturday? No, I don't think it is. Um, and, you know, so, so I'm kind of very, very calmly for a derby, kind of looking forward to it. I suppose, in, in, in that kind of like, oh, yeah, we've got that coming up Saturday. I'll sit down and watch that. Yeah. You know, not in a non-kind of feverish way, which, will, you know, which, is, which feels very different. But, yeah, um, <laughs> it, is, it is different, isn't it? It is different. Yeah. I, th- I think for me, that it, what it's been for the last few years is it's always the, the, the possible that's hanging out there is the thing that kind of that you hang on to. And, and we obviously got that with, uh, you know, with Richarlison and James Rodriguez and, and the Sigurdsson penalty a couple of years ago. Um, I think the problem that we've had for many, many years now is, is we just haven't been competitive in, in, in the fixture. You know, there was a time, you know, maybe 10 years ago, we were going there and routinely getting draws, you know, just sort of scratching out a draw and at least, at least avoiding defeat. Whereas, you know, there are times where we just haven't been competitive or we've just been on the on the wrong end of just some horrendous luck. You know, you think of the, the you know, Pickford's era and they've just they've been last minute goals. I mean, freaking Divock Origi, thank God he's no longer there. You know, just, just you know, the, we were just... You know, they're actually, they're actually to go back on myself a little bit, there were times when we were very competitive in the game, but just ended up losing anyway. And I think there's, there's only so many times that happens where it just kind of beats it out of you. And I think, you know, I think almost, you, you know, your walls go up and, and you do kind of try and numb yourself to it, which I think I've successfully done because, as I say, <laughs> I haven't really thought about it much to, you know, for this week. And defeats at Anfield have just become so routine that they just don't hurt as much as they used to. Um, now, if we start putting some results together, I think that feeling will come back. And in, in a funny way, you'd welcome that. You'd welcome the opportunity to actually go there and actually be injured again by by, by losing to that lot. Um, but uh, I mean, I agree with you, Andy. I think that you know we are with 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 the players, most of them all back fit now, and with Calvert Lewin actually starting for the first time in a Anfield derby since we won there a couple of years ago. Um, I think that we are as equipped as we could be to get something from the game. Um, we're obviously going to have to be very good defensively because that seems to be one of the areas where they're clicking at the moment is in attack. I mean, Salah's back scoring goals. But they, they, do, they can be got at defensively, and that's often kind of the area that we haven't really pushed them in the past. But I think that if we, if we can... I mean, as we've, not to keep harking back to Brighton away last season, but there is that kind of precedent in there. And there is that kind of example of what we can do to very good teams if we kind of hit them on the break and surprise them and, and, and sort of you know cause them problems. So, yeah, it's perfectly possible that we could go there and get something. It's perfectly conceivable we could go there and actually win. Um, but I'm not allowing myself to even go too far in that direction because again you know it's just you just just set up for disappointment so if you go in there with no expectations you can only be surprised <laughs> yeah um uh Devo Kavigi, um 
playing for Nottingham, Nottingham Forest now. We play them in six weeks, so you can you can still have that disappointment. Oh, thanks. In six weeks yes, time, thanks for that. Against, <laughs> against the dinner plates and bad, so don't uh, don't worry don't worry that's still going. That's <laughs> one. I remember the last derby, the last derby at Anfield, and I remember we jumped on a quick podcast just after that. I remember I remember saying like the last 20, 30 minutes was I was just a bit bored because it was just a bit mm. like you know. They'd beaten us. We were just hanging in the game. You know what I mean? I think it was almost it was almost like damage control. You know what I mean? All right, let's not get walloped. Let's you know, go, think about goal difference. You know what I mean? That, that's kind of how it felt. Made sense the situation we were in, I guess, down, <clears throat> down the bottom league. But um, you look at other games as well. And the Vasbins games, we've just been, been been walloped. And there's been other games we've been, you know, we've been a bit unlucky. And then you talk about games when we've been competitive. I remember the Frank Lampard one when um, uh, Anthony Gordon should have had a penalty, definitely. And it felt like yeah. that the whole game, there was things that went against us. And it's things like that which make you lose heart when you when you go into Starby. One, they're way better than us. Uh, two, you know, they, they, they can turn it on and beat us, beat, beat us comfortably. But then three, when, when you are in the game, when you do do well, and then that goes against you, you're just kind of like, well... How can we possibly win this game? That's how you kind of feel sometimes, isn't it? When you're going into the derby, so a lot needs to go back. Uh, go, so a, lot, a lot needs to go right. My worry with it is Sean Dyche's record against big teams. Uh, I don't mean at Everton. I mean historically, really at Burnley. Mm-hmm. And bear in mind, then caveating that big time by the the team that he's had available at Burnley, I fully understand him going away at City, away at Liverpool, like that, and just setting up not to lose. But looking at looking at his record and kind of got it in front of me against like all the teams and it, it's a very very few amount of sort of uh, you know points and wins away at sort of um, you know at Liverpool or anywhere like that. So it's, it's just that that worries me a little bit. Is that it just feels like Daish to me and I like Daish, um is that the he focuses more. I mean, he's a bit more pragmatic. He focuses more on the games that he feels we should win. The games that are tough to that that are going to be really tough. It feels like his strategy is stay in the game, try and nick one. You know, what I mean, not like so. This sort of like what what you kind of what we all love to see is like, oh come on, let's just have a bit of a go. Yeah, you know I mean, I just don't think we're going to see that. And if we're going to win the game, I don't think we're winning it unless we have a go. Yeah, you know I mean, so the way I see the game going really is, it's either a which I hope it isn't a bit like last season where, you know, it's, we, we do okay. And then we go a goal down, another goal down maybe. And then that's kind of, all right, that'll kind of do. We might have a little bit of a go and that's it. Or as we were saying a few weeks ago and sort of the games, which we've drawn under Sean Dyche, um, when we've stuck, we, we go a goal down. I'm not saying we can't go a goal up by the way, but like, just like it's, it's just, these are just the, 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 the theories in my head, which probably aren't worth an, an awful lot. But and then we just stay in the game, and then we we just nick that late one. A bit like you know, I'm not expecting a Jagielka-esque like thunderbolt. You know what I mean? But like just find a way of a bit like other Sims did, maybe like uh, a better off the bench or something like that late on. They just stay in the game, and that's why I feel we could get a point from this. Um, yeah, you know, obviously a win is the least likely option, uh, least like least least likely scenario. But I think the way Dice plays away. And maybe we'll see something different because he's got a much, much better team than he's ever had at Burnley. Uh, much more like someone like Carver Lewin to feed off he, it, being fully fit. Let's hope that stays the same way. A functioning midfield. You know, I mean, it's um, a team that looked very, very good last time out. Um, but I just something tells you he's not going to sort of go for it that way that we'd like to see him like to see him do so. Um, mm. In which case, I feel the best case scenario is a draw, which I'd happily take. By the way, I'd bite the hand off. We all would, but. Um, that's just the way I see that they're the scenarios that I see going into the game. Yeah. 
I, I think I'm the same. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same as you. And f- funny enough, the the one derby in recent times that I have really, really got up tight about and really, really nervous was when they played their under 11s. And when, as soon as you saw that that team sheet drop, suddenly you thought, "Oh my word, we could we could definitely win this one." And then, of course, we didn't. But that 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 especially the Anfield games. That's that's one of the very few that I've got kind of excited about or agitated about. Um, just to carry on the theme of kind of this uh, strange, dull feeling we we, we feel about this fixture. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, he's. Uh, I'm just having a glance, and it wasn't a very nice glance um, through the kind of derby results in the last few years, and it, it's often the first derby of the year, the, the season, should I say, that we are better in. Um, usually it's at Goodison, though. That's probably a reason behind that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, w- without the kind of pressure of, you know, the Anthony Gordon game and the, and the game last year, um, there was so much riding on it by that point, wasn't there? There was kind of like, it almost got to the point where we kind of needed a result, you know? Um, and obviously at the, this stage of the season, nothing is, um, nothing's that immediate in terms of the, the actual result we need. So, I don't know. I mean, like Paul, I take a point right now, but I, I do have a feeling. Again, get your glasses ready. I, I do have a feeling that that, um, <laughs> that we, there, there may well be something in it for us. There might be something in it for us. Paul, Andy, Adam, and I talked a bit about the about the derby and the selection dynamo in midfield in last week's pod. Uh, Deitch made reference to the five four one that he used at Villa in his press conference today, but then suggested that he'd probably only be making small tweaks to the team that beat Bournemouth. How do you think he'll line the side up, um, specifically who crows, who plays across the middle? Um. I don't know if he should, um, but I, I can't help but feel that Adressa Gay will play. Um, I think just his, uh, his you know, I guess an argument could be made for his, like his, his, his uh, ball winning and uh, interception stats alone in the Merseyside Derby could, um, you know, it gives him that nod. But who comes out? That's a, that, that's a toughie, isn't it? Um the core I don't think you can drop because he does a lot. You know, I mean, like, while he does frustrate, he does a lot of frustrating things. He's he's a presence and he's scoring goals. And he's contributing a lot of ways to the core there. We'd need him in the derby. Um, I wouldn't really want to drop an honor. I thought he had a really good game against Bournemouth. And uh, it seems crazy to, to even talk about dropping James, uh, James Garner, doesn't it? After, um, you know, the, the, the last couple of performances with goals as well. You know, so um, I don't know who comes out there, but... Um, I, 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 really, I really don't know who comes out of that, but I think Adressa Gay will come in. I don't know who comes out. It probably will be James Garner, which I think is, I think is crazy, but it just feels like that's that's what might happen. Um, the rest picks itself, really, doesn't it? I don't know. Yeah. I think yeah, yeah. Ashley, Young, Ashley Young will play again. Um, I'm not saying he shouldn't. Um, yeah, Havison and... I am. <laughs> Actually, maybe not in the derby, but just in general, I just think I don't see the point in persisting with... with... Ashley Young, from yeah. on a on a on a, on a game to game basis, you know, I think it's just harming Nathan Patterson. But for this game, okay, maybe. Yeah, but you, you worry about um, pace, don't you? You know, what I mean, like, and yeah. it's, 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 I think the best uh, quality Ashley Young has is positional. I think to be fair, nothing really gets past him. But you know, he's very good with balls, cycling across, he reads them well. 
and stuff. So positionally, I don't know, but obviously at his age, you have to worry about you know someone like Diaz running at him. You know what I mean? It's going to obviously be you know, he's in for a tough game, isn't he? Um, so that'll be uh, that'll be tough. But yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the in Dwight McNeil and, and uh, Jack Havison though. You got an absolute dream wingers for a derby, haven't you? For away at Anfield, I think that if you ever want two 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 lads who are just going to work work the nuts off all game and get up and down and provide a goal threat, you know, what I mean, um, then then you got them right there. So that's they'll certainly be in the team. Um, for me, it's just a matter of who does Adrissa Gay come in for? Because I've, I'm pretty sure he'll play. He'll drop Onana. You think? Yeah, I think he will. I, I too think Adrissa Gay will come into the team. I just don't think Sean Dyche will go into it with Garner and an Onana together. Uh, he will probably see that as maybe a little bit inexperienced for the fixture. I'm just trying to... I, I, this is not what I think, by the way. This is what I think he will do. Um, and I, in, in, in which case, I, I don't think you can drop James Garner. I just don't think you can. Um and he certainly won't drop Decore and try and play a more of a flat three. Probably won't do that. So it has to be Onana, really. Um, and, and considering last week that was the plan anyway. Mm. Not, not last week, sorry, the week before. Yeah. Um, considering that was his original plan against Bournemouth. Uh, and there's now there's even more reason to do it against Liverpool than there probably was against Bournemouth, let's be honest, seeing how that game panned out. I think that'll be the only change. I can't see fitness fitness, um, con- you know, considering, but I, I'm pretty sure everybody's fit, or they are so far. Um, I think that'll be the only change. And do I agree with that? Uh, um, do you know what? I'd love to I'd love to see him just go Onana and Ghana and just go for it, boys. Just, just, just see what you can do. Get a bit of experience in this fixture away from home at Anfield. You know, play together. Two young lads in the middle of the park. Why not? Um, I, I, I just don't think he will. Yeah, I agree with you, Paul. That I think Gay will come back in for his, you know, ball-winning abilities. And I, because I mean, this is such a hard thing. I, I was trying to find reasons why he would drop certain players. And I think, Andy, your rationale that just purely for the for the fact that he was going to start Gay over Onana in the previous game, that might be what he does this time. You know, for exactly the same rationale as you. Um, the only pause, I think, is that Gay only paid like 12 minutes for Senegal on Monday. But it seems, based on, on what um, Deitch said today, that he's fit. So in that case, I just think for this particular fixture... He will go with the ball winner as opposed to, you know, as opposed to someone like Onana. That would be my guess, anyway. Yeah, I was about to about to ask that actually. How uh, I hadn't seen if just a guy who's maybe had an injury before uh, the international break, if he'd even gone to uh, to, to to represent Senegal. Well, obviously, he did in some capacity, so he's been away. Onana played one game, and then uh, there was that tragic incident in in Brussels when a couple of um, yeah. Swedish fellas. Yeah, well, anyway, need to go into that really, but yeah, uh, but anyway, that game was called off, um, and uh, so Anana, I think, came straight back. So he's been involved in training a bit more, maybe perhaps than um, you know than, than would have been the case. So I don't, I don't know um, if that makes any difference whatsoever. I've got no, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I've gone down that rabbit hole before though. I remember one time doing like loads <laughs> of research into all the team. If we were playing Southampton, looking at everyone they were playing, and think, oh well, he won't play because of this. He won't play. Did they make a blindness bit of difference? I mean, the, <laughs> the way they look after these players the, uh, now, and the way like if, at the end of the day, 
your best players who are available will play. You know what I mean? Regardless yeah. if they've traveled yeah, yeah. the other side of the world, they'll play. I mean, they're, they're so well looked after, though. The conditioning's so much better. The nutrition, all them, all them things. So it doesn't bloody matter, you know, <laughs> where, where they play. He'll play the, the players that he wants to play, I think. So, um, yeah, you could be right, Andy. Um, but, yeah, we all sound quite agreed that Adjustigate will play. Whether, whether we agree it's the right thing or not, I don't know. But it's, uh, we all sound in agreement on that. We shall see. Well, off the pitch, uh, it appears as though the independent commission into Everton's alleged financial breaches began this week. Uh, I'm not sure there's much really more to say about that, except that it's a little annoying that uh, we might not find out the verdict for another few weeks. I don't know if you fellas have anything to add on that. That sounds a bit a bit mad. I, I, only, I only read this today on, on BBC. It was saying like it was just on the back of Sean Dyche's uh, press conference and it, there was just a little link saying like reports say that they've already see, they've already secretly gone. Is, is this accurate? They've already secretly gone about why is this a big secret thing? I don't really understand. The, well, I think I think the word secret Matt Hughes used that in the Daily Mail because yeah. he's Matt Hughes. You know, I mean, like the, yes, it's going to be secret. Of course, it's behind closed doors. So, yes, by definition, it's secret. It's an independent panel that's going to make its deliberations behind closed doors. With you know, it's not going to be like an open court where it's televised and all Everton's dirty laundry is displayed for everyone. So, yeah, of course, it's going to be in secret. But it does, it does seem that from the mail. Uh, David Maddock in the Mirror and Miguel Galeni in the Independent. Those, and I think Paul Joyce has also said it at the Times. The the thing is underway now. It is going on, um, but we may not find out until next month. You know, it could be weeks. Um, not that I mean, I mean, I suppose it doesn't really matter that much. But I mean, it just just to know, you know, just have a decision and, and just, so we can move on would be nice, wouldn't it? Well, that's the one thing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we we don't know what this thing's going to look like, and you know. We know even less about what the potential outcome and what any punishment could be, but you kind of need to know those things as soon as possible, don't you? Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> especially for the the on-site staff who are there day to day to day. Kevin Farewell, Farewell, Sean Dyche. You know, if 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 there is such a thing as a points deduction or a I don't know a transfer embargo or a, or a something serious along those lines. Um, then that's obviously going to change our short term future very quickly and quite profoundly, isn't it? I mean, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, it's scary. Yeah, I'm still not convinced it's going to be something as serious as a points deduction. And if it is, it'll be you know it's a suspended sentence and you know just don't do it again kind of thing. <laughs> It's yeah. I just the, the the thing with it is is the Premier League. Not that it's their decision at this point. It's obviously that the independent commission will make a recommendation. Um, I mean, does the Premier League then decide on a on a penalty based on that? I don't know how this works. I guess we'll find out. But um, you know, it's it's an enormous rod for the Premier League's back if they do stiff us with a points penalty, given that Manchester City are out there with 115 charges against them to our one. So it's uh, yeah, you know. We'll, we'll see, but I, it's at a time when, when this independent regulator is coming in next year, the Premier League doesn't really need on its hands, you know, it's its first uh, its first case of, of, a, of a financial breach that then ends in a points penalty. Yeah, it's, um, it would set quite a precedent, wouldn't it, if they if got like a points yeah. deduction uh, for that. Um, and Everton can appeal it once as well. You know what I mean? Right. So, you know, it's, this, this, this could drag on for a long time. I'm not surprised it's weeks and months. 
somebody's telling me it could be up to a year. That's like, because it, based on just that he work, a friend of mine works in law and all that and said so the sort of like, I don't know, the, the technicalities of all this thing, it's, it's, it's such a different yeah. case to what I used. It could take a long, long, long time, he felt. But yeah, that, that's not based on any any football knowledge, just his own feeling. But um, yeah, I think it could be, it, it, it probably, I imagine, precipitate into the background for some time, I imagine. And then eventually it would be like, oh, hopefully we've got nothing to answer for. Or yeah, suspend, suspend sentence or... Here's a fine. Don't do that again. You know what I mean? Because you're right. It, it, you know, I mean, we're being hopeful, aren't we? But um, yeah, it's such a president. That's that's the one. That's the one thing for me. Um, if you just start doing that, and you, you don't have to look. You know, you just look around to some of the other instances from some of the other clubs, like Chelsea mainly. Really, what they've done, and just just feel like, well, how's that okay? And what we're doing isn't. You know what I mean? I know there's all sorts of other things. And it's nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, fingers <laughs> crossed on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, then there's the uh, ongoing saga around Seven Seven Partners and their proposed takeover. Um, I, I'd initially heard one outlet say that they preferred to be called Triple Seven, but the video on their website says Seven Seven Seven, so I'm going with that now. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yasima have obviously been churning out articles looking into their financial affairs and debts and unpaid bills and the like. New York Times obviously have come out this week and suggested that the Financial Conduct Authority are unhappy with the records that they've been given to date. 777, of course, keeps saying that everything's fine and won't comment further while the approvals process continues. I can't help but feel uneasy about the whole thing um, because, I mean, with this much smoke, you think there has to be some fire, and yet it seems that 777 have already loaned us up to 65 million pounds now. So, I mean, they're obviously able to find that or raise that or borrow that much cash in fairly short order, um, Which, in which case I think, as the ESC says, that debt just surely gets passed on to the club, doesn't it? Um, no doubt with the new stadium users' leverage. So I don't know. The situation is so opaque. I don't know what to think. One thing I think now, which I hadn't thought of, is it got such a stupid name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's hearing you say 777 about 10 times. <laughs> but triple seven, 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 seven. All the sevens, that's a little bit easier. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but it is evocative of a bunch of chances, isn't it? It's like you know, in, in, in the casino, right now, pull, pulling the pulling the fruit machine or whatever. I mean, it's just yeah, <laughs> doesn't help. <laughs> no, um, the other thing for me is I, I don't know enough about this, but they, they they've already involved in in half about half a dozen clubs, aren't they? Um, yeah. More or less, and they've all gone through okay. So they, you know, it, it just it just strikes me as a bit. A bit bizarre that like they've forgotten to do something or they haven't declared something in time or they, I mean it's obviously they they know how to do this because they've done it like I don't know how much more complex it is to do it in the Premier League than it is in Genoa or Standard Liège or whatever else but it can't it can't be that you know what I mean it can't be that mad can it I wouldn't have thought so I don't, I'm a bit a bit cynical on the report I'm with that myself and as to how true it is because it just feels like something like I don't know how. I just feel like something that would be such a such a weird mistake. I don't, I don't understand it. They were like complete novices going in, but like because they were already involved in so many clubs, I don't really see why or how they'd make such basic mistakes. So unless they haven't got the backing which they say they have, but that again, if they've gone this far, I don't really see why would that be the case either. Well, the only question would be is just how rigorous is the approvals process in those other countries. You know, it may not be the same. And the mm. Premier League, as I say, has got this independent regulator coming and they've really tried to kind of, you know, lock down the 
the requirements to be a buyer. Maybe these other countries, if they just didn't scrutinize them, I have no idea. But it is a very, yeah. it is a very pertinent question that you ask. So, well, I mean, one's one's here to Berlin. I mean, like, uh, yeah. you know, my wife's from Germany. True. Been to Germany yeah. so many times. They're very stringent on a lot of things over there. I'd be mm-hmm. surprised if they were sort of country be like, oh yeah, yeah, fine, you know, that, that, yeah, well, some of the <laughs> other countries maybe, but. Belgium as well, you know what I mean. So I'd be surprised if that was the case. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, know. I would Again, too. Like, I would yeah. too. But yeah, I don't who know. Knows? But, but what surprises us any <laughs> anymore with all this? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think for the for the everyday fan, which we all are, you know, um, we don't yeah. have any great insight into the financial dealings of a Premier League football club, and, and especially ours. <laughs> um, it's kind of like it's a it's just so worrying because. You don't know what's best. You don't know whether it's actually going to be best for Everton if this deal doesn't go forward at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then if we're left with what we've got, which is essentially an owner who doesn't want to or can't put in any more money anyway, then is that worse? And it's just that kind of, obviously, we all want what is best and what is what is perfect is never going to happen. We're Everton. So what's best or what's what's least bad in this scenario? Is it that we get 777, 21, whatever you want to call them? Um, (laughs) Is is it actually best that, yes, this might be not an ideal group, but it is a group that will at least run the business or do we do we want them to fail? I don't even know at this point. I don't even know what I, I'm, by them to fail. I mean, do we want their bid to fail? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't got a clue, and it's just it's it's just concerning, really, it, it, because you get all these big terms banded around, especially on social media, of administration liquidation, and you know all all the Asians, um, but. <laughs> we don't know, do we? You know, we have no insight and no, 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 no way of telling. The, the the only way that you'd want their bid to fail, assuming you didn't want it to succeed, is that if you knew there'd be another buyer, a more reputable buyer, a more um, stable buyer, a richer buyer, let's say, uh, who was waiting in the wings to kind of you know come in at a discount or a potential discount. If administration, it really is on the cards, and I think that's the only. And we we have no idea. We've always been told that there there are other interested parties out there. Obviously, you know we don't know who they are. So, yeah, it's just it's the not knowing, isn't it? It's it's not it's not a good situation. It seems like what the, it's what they specialize in, though, right? Seven seven seven. The um <laughs> the <laughs> like you know to getting involved with distressed clubs who you know who are in in. You know, in the real in the real tight spot, um, and that seems like the you know that that that's what they do. So I don't even know where I'm going with that really, but it's um it's just <laughs> I don't know it's just, it's just hard to it, I don't know for me it, it just feels like there's just I don't think there's really any other offers on the table that are realistic. I don't know I'm 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 going from guesswork really, but mm. you know it, people people really wanted that MSP was it because they seem a bit more you know. Like stable, a bit more of a, a better option, but they wouldn't touch us. You know what I mean? I think people are a bit scared off, probably by our accounts and all. So it's you know, it, we're probably going to be left with you know with people like this, and we just you know, 
what option do we have but to try and get behind it? That's kind of the way I see it because I'm not, I'm not saying that they won't be perfect. Who is? You know, I mean, I don't, you know, we're not going to get any perfect. You know, no, I don't know what how many perfect there is there are there anyway, but none of them are going to be looking at us. You know, what I mean, so it's uh, the, uh, the the situation well, that we're in. So I wonder why. And I've said this on podcasts before. If I was looking to get into a Premier League football club and I didn't, and I wanted to get a good deal for a massive ceiling, I think Everton are almost perfect. I mean, obviously you've got to spend a lot of money. Yes, of course you do, but you'll have to do that with every any Premier League football club. I just don't get, I just don't get why there aren't more people wanting to get involved in this. I I I, I know they have to spend money, big money, huge money that only a certain section percentage you've got i guess that's it but if if there are so-called lots of people wanting to get involved in premier league football clubs at the moment then surely everton are without the glasses on now surely everton are quite a good project i don't know i think they would be if you've got someone with stupid money like the shake who's just you know been been binned off by the glaciers i mean if he were to if he were to look at what um, and I think we've talked about this before on the podcast, or at least I've mentioned in articles on the website. If they look at what you know, Abu Dhabi Group did with Manchester City, you could replicate that quite easily with the money available to this, you know, this Qatari Sheikh at Everton quite easily. Yes, you would you'd have to spend a lot of money up front, obviously, to clear the debts, finish the stadium, uh, you know, and get and get things working on a day to day basis. But you know, I think the key that you've just said Andy there is the ceiling is very high once you've got that out the way but there are very few of those kind of individuals around I think um, who who would you know A have the money B would be interested I think there are plenty of companies looking to get into Premier League football but the, the barrier to entry is so high because of the the amount of debt that these, these clubs carry I think um, the prevailing narrative on MSP Sports Capital seems to be that they were prepared to come in and play the long game by by sort of coming in with a with a twenty five percent stake up front, and that rights and media funding said, well, if you're going to do that, then we want we we want a, a sort of a big chunk of of our debt paid off up front um, because of the evaluation that hundred what was it hundred twenty five million for twenty five percent was going to put on the club, and therefore, you know the the the, uh, the assets that they were leveraging, you know, they basically said. Well, then we want a big chunk off the top, and MSP support sports capital weren't prepared to do that. So I think they were they were interested, and if they could get it for a discount, then I think they might come back into it. But I mean, who knows? I'm just I'm just guessing, mm. just speculating. None of us really know. But I imagine that if um, Tariq Panya, who who wrote the article for the New York Times, I think he put on Twitter that at the moment Mashiri stands to get 140 million pounds out of this. I think that if someone came in and offered him more. He would obviously take it, you know, and so I, I, and I would imagine that seven 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 are offering on the lower end. So if there are genuinely interested and viable par- parties out there who are looking to buy us and, and, and could do a better job or, or could offer more than seven seven seven, I'm sure Mashiri would take it. Cause really, I mean, surely for him and now it's just the bottom line: it's how much can I recoup you know, of the money that I've spent? But again, guessing. <laughs> I guess one thing about like them sort of the, the people that were talking about perhaps getting involved with Everton is there's still risk of relegation. Um, and you wonder there's a bit of sort of, you know, reputation and status 
go with that. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that that's a little bit of uh, that. Maybe I'm being a bit cynical, but um, so maybe as long as that's a risk, as long as we're in the situation that we're in, if you're like maybe, maybe I don't know, <laughs> would people be queuing that queuing at the door if we were tenth in the league? Probably not. But um, that's something that things are made. It's just like as long as we're like relegation risk and with the debts that we have, it's going to be um, more difficult to attach. So yeah, I think the the dreaded R word is the um, is perhaps the it's perhaps up play there. Which we've all lived again, if you've listened to the BBC podcast um, that was released. Um, I don't know whether... You, have you guys... I mean, I, I don't want to spoil it for anybody listening, but we, we do stay up at the end. Um, <laughs> good, to, good to know. Yeah, just... just I, I, I almost needed to get to that episode myself, just to double check. That it, um, but uh, yeah, the, the, the uh, BBC um, Science podcast kind of trial it out following Everton through last season. Um, I don't know where you guys are on it. If you've started it, finished it in the middle, I, I'm, I'm on the penultimate episode. I've finished it now. Yeah. Um, about halfway through. What um, did you, what did you think? I think it's brilliant so far. I love it. I think it's, it's fantastic. The, I've just had Seamus Coleman score, uh, that, that brilliant goal against Leeds from like from a tight <laughs> angle. And just hearing like the interviews with, with Seamus afterwards and just heard Alice Sims talking about and ruining it for people a bit now, but, um talking about the, the, the goal at Chelsea and stuff like that. It, it's it's really well, the whole thing, from what I've heard so far, it's really, really well put together and looking forward to hearing the rest. Yeah, I don't think you're spoiling it for anyone. I mean, everyone you know what, happens, what happened. Yeah. And, you know, exactly. But but it, and and actually, the amount that it actually focuses on the individual games is 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 quite small. And obviously, then the gold is in all the behind the scenes interviews. And um, I mean, I, I said on Twitter that Julia Bold does a fantastic job. Um, she really does. And you know, credit to the club for allowing such access in the first place, and then allowing them to finish it even though things really did, did get quite tumultuous in January. At, at that point, they could quite conceivably have said, look, you know, things are getting really testy here behind the scenes. We've got, you know, fan revolts and, you know, the border are, are, are not allowed to go to games. So I think we should just, you know, cut this off here and, and sorry about that. But, you know, full credit, they allowed her to remain embedded in for the, for the rest of the season. And, you know, the result is a, is a really, really good series that that would have been good even if they just done the first seven but then you get those sort of three bonus um episodes on the end with the really in-depth interviews um i mean the big takeaway for me was where's kevin thalwell being why have they kept him under wraps he talks so well um you know so sensibly he doesn't you know because we know nothing about this fella he's been in the background and we keep getting these these promised interviews for the club's channels and then they never come and yet here he is there's sort of comments from him scattered all throughout this brilliant podcast series and he's like the the guy who seems to to, to know what he's doing and, and have some some control over the situation and thankfully unlike his predecessor now because Mashiri stepped out the, of the way completely he's now again been allowed to get on with his job um, and I think he's done some really good things so that was the big takeaway for me was um, why why have you kept this guy hidden away written on my pad here I have Mr. Trick Kevin Felwell. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, so much of the world now, especially in top flight football, is about PR and and people who are comfortable talking in front of a microphone, eloquent, um, yet very down to earth, are, are like gold dust, really, especially in the role mm-hmm. he's doing. I mean, yeah. God, God, let this guy talk. I mean, 
like it, I don't understand why there's been this blackout. I mean, I don't understand a lot about Everton behind the scenes in the last few years, <laughs> and maybe that's why there's, there's no joined up thinking. But yeah. I mean, if you've got someone like that in that role, who you know, we don't need to know every detail of every deal that didn't happen or whatever. But every now and again, let's just hear from him. I mean, it 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 takes stress off of so many different uh, you know areas like Sean Dyche needn't have faced so many questions he doesn't know the answer to or doesn't want to give the answer to over the past six months if you I don't know I, I, I that's the one thing that came out of it well not one I mean one of the things that came out of it for me is that how um how switched on and um how happy I am that he is our director of football now he, he just seems to be I know everybody can talk a good game, but if you look at his body of work already, he's got through an awful lot of work there. Mm, yeah, he has. Um, I, the other thing was that, you know, that there are so many of these, not so many, there have been quite a few of these documentaries, either on TV or Netflix or Amazon or whatever they've been on, or on podcasts about other other teams. And... I'll listen to anything, you know, about football behind, you know, I'm, I'm just interested in the game, you know, and I'm interested in how clubs are run. But when it's about your team, it was quite a different experience, like hearing that um, kind of like, you know, behind the scenes, quote unquote. Um, and I must admit for the, for the, for the kind of, in episode one, for the first five or 10 minutes, when they were saying what, how, you know this big club, this historic club that you know that used to do this and what has been the first to do this. I actually quite felt quite emotional listening to it, um, and I don't know why. Maybe it kind of I don't know why particularly, but it was like wow, this because I think we hear so much negativity about Everton, and and we try to be positive on this podcast. I know others do on other pods as well, but. You, it's kind of we we are a bit downtrodden, aren't we? And we we know this stuff, but when you hear someone, you know, like the BBC saying it, and kind of setting this up as like, hey, this club's really really great, and it's really important. That's why we're here. That's why we're doing this. It was like, wow, yeah. Um, and obviously, I'm proud of it from a BBC point of view because, especially local yeah. local BBC journalists doing this, is exactly what we should be doing, and they've done it brilliantly. You know, everybody involved, hundred um, percent. So, so uh, I, I'm I'm delighted with that as well. Yeah, just just on that note, I, I did find myself wondering how many non-Everton fans would listen to it, and I'm hoping that many, many do because, as you say, it's it's. It's a story that needs to be told, but it also needs to just illustrate some of the great things about the club. Mm. You know? Yeah, and and you you and again, I probably listened to it like an Everton fan, but if I'd listened to it as another fan, you know, there's so many little bits you think, wow, yeah, we're quite we, we are we are quite important, mm-hmm. aren't we? And we are quite you know <laughs> steeped in it really. And I, I know we know that in the back of our minds, but to bring it to the front and for us to be in the focus for once. Um, yeah, I hope I hope it's taken on by a much wider audience and um, more power to their elbow. They've done they've done brilliantly to, to put that together and um, and uh, I've really enjoyed it. Toffeeweb.com is the longest running Everton website 
with an archive of more than 35,000 articles. This is the Toffee Web Podcast. Right, well, we normally do our, uh, our weekly question, and I shall hand it over to Paul for this one, who's going to pose it. Thanks, Lyndon. So if you could bring back one uh, previous Everton player for Saturday's Merseyside derby, who would it be? Uh, Lyndon, why don't you go first? Ooh. <laughs> well, I, I think when we were talking about this before we started recording, there was one name that, that, that immediately popped into my head. But then I, I fell back to arguably my favorite player from the Premier League era, and that's Andre Kanchelskis, who <laughs> scored some very important goals. Obviously got his first two goals at Anfield, and followed that up with one at Goodison as well. So I, I think... Um, to have someone of his ability and obviously his knack for scoring against the Reds, he would be the one that I would bring back. He's on my list as well. Yeah. And you just Yeah, me you too. Just, you just think <laughs> like any team going to Anfield, you know, with his pace and direct yeah. running and yeah, he, he was on my list as well. Um he's he's not who I've gone for. But um is is it me next, Paul? Do I have shall I go, go now? Go ahead, yeah, yeah. Um, I too thought of the one that you thought of, um, but um, uh, and it's not Funes Mori, everybody. Um, uh, I think, oh, it's so close, isn't it? I mean, would we would we be better for Mikel Arteta in the middle of midfield? Yes, of course we would. Oh, that's a shot. Um, you know, really got the fixture, really understood it. Always seemed to play well in those games, really. Um, scored a few goals in those games. And then I oh, I don't want to take all the I don't want to take all the names off Paul here, but um then I thought about Duncan Ferguson. Um because I just often do. But um <laughs> you know it, they're not they're not great in the middle of defence. And we've got our we've got a very good number nine now, don't get me wrong. But um, you know, could they could they be put under a bit of late pressure with Duncan coming on for the last half an hour? Uh, I think I'm going to go for Mikel Arteta, and that doesn't help our selection problems in midfield whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> no, it doesn't. Because <laughs> there's a new one. <laughs> so good luck with that, Sean, uh, but uh, or Gaffer, as we should call him there. But um, yes, Gaffer. Uh, yeah, I think I'll bring back Mikel Arteta for one day only. At his absolute prime. I've got four four written down, uh, one of which is circled, uh, probably because Linda already said Andre Kinchelska. So he'd he'd, um, he'd make such a diff- he'd be such a difference oh. maker up against um, their standing left back uh, with, Rob- uh, with Robinson not uh, not available. Um, he could have a really good game, a really effective game on Saturday. Andre Kinchelska, I think. Um, yeah, brilliant player. Tim Kyle's an obvious one. He was great for the derby. Um, he was the one, yeah, that we were yeah. alluding to. <laughs> yeah, and that'd be fair. That'd be fair enough. You know, him in there instead of the caller. He was contributing plenty, to be fair. But yeah, Tim Kyle just had that other X factor in derbies, didn't he, Tim Kyle? That'd be one. Um, I thought Neville Southall, but I think that's given Jordan Pickford a bit of a disservice, really. It's not like Pickford's done anything wrong. You know, he's not like he's not been reliable. He's, he's, he's performing well for us, so... Thing. So I thought, and again, not that I feel like I thought Baines would be handy. Leighton Baines at left back would be good, and maybe that's a better solution because you think oh, what I was going with is we haven't really got a lot of local flavour in the team. I guess James Garner is is pretty local, but um, 
no scousers really in the team, is there? You know, so I thought I thought Dave Watson maybe would be pretty mm-hmm. handy to have in there. I guess you're dropping Tarkovsky then for probably, which seems a bit odd. So maybe Leighton Baines uh, left back would be pretty, you know, um, really 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 handy player to have in the derby, and it'd be an upgrade on Mikalenko. So I'll go with Baines. I'd buy that. Yeah. Yeah, you didn't. I don't think you specified Premier League era, so someone to put to get Graham Sharp back in there to um, wallop one in from forty yards would be quite nice as well. Well, if we're going to go that far back, <laughs> Dixie Dean, and we <laughs> get <laughs> Yes, but exactly. no, I think if we're looking at looking at that team we got there, and we're swapping out Baines for Mikalenko, Havison for Kincelskis, and um, the uh, well, Garner for Arteta, I suppose. I mean, it, you know, that's be pretty pretty damn competitive, wouldn't it? <laughs> All right, well, that's us for another week, Blues. Tune us in in a few days when we'll be chatting about the derby and looking ahead to another really tricky away game at West Ham on Sunday week. Um, however you survive derby weekend, Godspeed, up the toffees, and <laughs> we'll speak to you next week. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.